Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our heads in worship as we praise your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we bless your holy name. You deserve, you deserve the glory and the honor. Oh, God. 
Shalom, shalom, my brother, my sister. Welcome to the Lord Tower. This is your host, brother in Christ, brother Elvi Sapara. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, sister. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. We are going to go ahead, go into the Word. 
We also, there was a dream I didn't share on Sunday for two, which I'm going to share tonight. Thank you, Lord, of the things that will be unfolding soon. My brother and sister, hallelujah, God, hallelujah, uh, don't do anything without uh, revealing it through his, his, his servants, the, pre, the prophet. Amen. So he had chosen us, elected us, selected us for this work. And we're saying amen to the Lord because he has been the one who has chosen us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in our lives as it is in heaven, because we are earthly, our bodies earthly. Amen. So let his will be done. Amen. I hope you were able to enjoy the program on Sunday. What a blessing it was, I believe. Thank you, Lord, so much to learn. My brother and my sister, thank you, Lord. Amen. So let's, let's, we have a lot to share. So let, let's go into the Word of God. And if you have any questions, you can put it. You can type it on the chat room, or you can email me, Bible study. We study God's Word together. Amen. And the only one right here all the time is Jesus, our Lord. So we're just learning. Amen. Of him who is humble and make a part. Amen. So shalom, Brian, Don, Maximo, Regina, the Lord's servant. Shalom to each and one of you and those that will be logging in. Amen. So let's start here. Uh, we're going to start in Isaiah 46.10. Amen. This might not be the title, but this is where we're going to start. Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, I will do all my pleasure. This is the word of God. God said, the Lord said, he will do all his pleasure. Amen. It may not pleasure humanity us, but it does pleasure the Lord. And when we come closer with the Lord, it will pleasure us also. Amen. But let his will be done because he always has the best in heart for you and I. Amen? Because he loves us. And that's what love is about. Love is about you caring for someone in such a special way that you're willing to do anything. Amen? You're willing to give up anything. It's, a, it's, it's the, a whole, the more valuable thing you are holding in your life. Basically, that's what love is about. And God loves us. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish or shall not perish, but have everlasting life, my brother and sister. So God said to us through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah is known as a, one of the bigger prophets in the Bible. It's Isaiah. And not to be compared with the Lord, Jesus is the bigger one. Amen. And he prophesied and said that the God declaring from the end from the beginning. The beginning is Genesis. So if we are to understand prophecy, we got to go back to Genesis. And the rabbi said that it's not going back. It's actually going forward. Because in Genesis, everything was perfect. When men had not sinned yet, it was dwelling with God in the presence of God, the place was full of angels. So the garden is the future. The garden is the new Jerusalem. The garden is the new earth. It has 
all the attributes of it, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. Everything that we are going to have within the garden, my brother and sister. That's why our foundation is holy, righteous, and pure. Because that's how God started everything in the garden. Everything was perfect. So for people to say, I'm not perfect, God is leading us to perfection. And every day he is cleansing our lives. Amen. So let's go back, my brother and sisters, because there's a lot of questions, and I'm going to try to answer them through the Bible. Like the word, the word, the word that is going on in Israel today against Hamas in Gaza and in the West Bank is in the Bible. We can explain that. The word that is coming that is about to start between Russia, China, and them against the United States is in the Bible. The nations are in the Bible, my brother and sister. Amen. And we we need to understand. We got to go back to Genesis 10, an example. In Genesis 10, we see the, the, the three sons of Noah, remember like in the days of Noah, coming out of the ark, my brother and sister. The Bible said these are the generations of the sons of Noah. Okay? The first sons of the, the older, usually in the Jewish linear, they started with the older first, like Esau and then Jacob. So... It starts from there, from like Ishmael and Isaac, but God made a change where He gave it to the younger one instead of the older one. But in the follow of the linear, they start with the older ones. So according to our understanding, Genesis 10 begins with Shem. So that's an indication that Shem was the oldest son of Noah. And there's a reason why we need to understand it this way, because when you start studying what came out of them later on, out of whom out of the three of them came out giants. And it was out of one of them came out giants. But the argument have been over the years, if the sons of Noah had no giant blood in them, then was their wife. Out of whom out of the three, wife came out giants. And that is in Genesis, my brother insisted. So by studying God's word, we can understand better what is happening in the last days. Because we, since 23 forward, we're seeing a generic change on the earth. When I say that generic change on the earth is, a tree is laying egg or having egg as a fruit from a year back. It started in 23, did not happen in 22, according to the people that have been doing it for over 10 years. Okay? So what is that coincidence? That is a generic change. We're seeing uh, mixed blood soldier on the earth, China and them multiplying them. Okay? And when you go into the Bible, you'll find great army being mentioned before they even came to pass in the Bible. Thousands of years ago, the prophets of the Lord prophesied that these nations would have, would have army as the center of the sea. That the red army will cross, my brother and sister, the Euphrates River and dry river. Well, the prophecy of the Euphrates River being dry had come to pass. It took thousands upon thousands of years for anyone 
to have a recording of the Euphrates River river being dry completely in certain parts. That has never happened in the history of humanity. Just a lot of people will go back and say, let's see if this happened ever again. And you're not going to find a historical proof of the Euphrates River being dry. And in 23, the whole year of 2023, it was registered that the Euphrates River was, was dry. And all that, it is related with China, related with Russia, related to giants, Michael insisted. In order for us to understand what's happening in the last days, we need to get into the Word of God. Amen? So let's go back to Genesis 10. So these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem being the older one, Ham, the second one, and Japheth, which were, there were three of them, the younger one, my brother and sister. Okay? So Ham, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. One, two, and three. Okay? Now, notice something, how they, they can begin with the older one, but the generation count doesn't start on the older one. It starts on the younger one, my brother and sister. Was this done on purpose? Yes. Okay? It starts from right. It starts from right. It starts from the young, younger one. Whom, whom linear, whom generation are we counting here? Who do we say was the third one? Just say, my brother and sister. Amen. It was Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Japheth is the first generation that we get a recording in the Bible in Genesis 10, the first one. The sons of Japheth. Okay? Why? Because in the last of the earth, the sons of Japheth are the ones that end up, my brother and sister, being the most powerful nation. What a coincidence is that? Out of the sons of Japheth, you get Russia, my brother and sister, and you get giants. You get mixed blood. Okay? So, out of, you don't get it out of Shamingham. You get them out of Japheth, the younger brother. Now, we don't know the situation or what happened. That out of him, his generation that is being counted first, as a generation that started everything, the change, the big change, we can call it a big disobedience. It started out of Japheth. But out of him comes out giants and comes out Russia and even China, the farther north, which in Isaiah, I guess Isaiah 59, 12, let me, it's where it's registered, Sinem, Father North, Isaiah 49, 12, Father North, okay, which is uh, Sinem, the Father North. So that means that that also is registered to Hashem, my brother and sister. So China and Russia, biblically, has an indirect relationship or blood relationship, my brother and sister. What a coincidence. What a coincidence, huh? Or a plan. Or it has to be this way. 
And this is going to leave a lot of you thinking and say, beloved, I need to study this more. Yes, go ahead. We can go ahead and study this more. Okay? But uh, out of Hashem comes out the giants. That's the younger brother of Noah. The younger son, I'm sorry. The younger son of Noah is Hashem. Or Hashem. Out of him, I'm sorry, comes out the giants, comes out Russia, and comes out China. Okay? What a coincidence. Okay, what a coincidence. Last week, let me tell you my dream. I saw Russia and China ready to take over the United States. Shalom, Sister Wendy. And this revelation, I can, I'm standing in the United States, because I could clearly see them. One was coming through from the north, and the other one was coming through the opposite part. I would say the South, my brother and sisters. But in all this surprise, as I noticed, NATO has joined them. Not not all the entire nations of NATO, but some of the nations of NATO, President Putin has charged them to take out certain part of the United States. That way they were very aware what they were, and they were charged that if they were truly part of Russia and China, as they were invading this nation in my dream, they got to take certain part out with their missile. Okay, and this this nation of NATO knew very well what they were, so they they went for their target that President Putin had charged them in Russia to charge them to take out those targets, make it easier for them, and held them responsible. So this nation of NATO had this charge from them, and they they were doing a very skillful job in support of Russia and China. And from the north, it was like Alaska, Russia had a plan, to overtake Alaska, the bases in Alaska, and they were being very successful. It's like when at a time they had launched some kind of weapon that deceived them in Alaska, and their system went up, out, their alarm went out, and when they were looking out to see what was causing all the alarm and all that, they were deceived. Okay, it was like our main plane was taken, was over Alaska, bombing the nations. But while they were focusing on those planes, they had other weapons targeting them, taking them out quickly. So it was a plan to deceive the nation with planes that had no people in it. Very skillful planes. And, again, the war in Ukraine, Russia used it to test some of their drones. And to, for them to get the knowledge of being shot at and destroyed while they were evading the bullets and the missile, and deceiving the missile. And all the skills they learned in Ukraine now make them 
very well skillful to come against this nation. So while all that was happening, I could see it. My brother and sister, they were overtaking this nation without a problem. And that concerned me because I was expecting this nation to put a bigger fight. But the fight was not there as I expected. It's like I'm standing there brokenhearted because I'm expecting a better fight. I'm expecting them to respond stronger than what they did. But they felt much easier than what I thought possible and what we think possible. And all that, you're watching this and you're expecting more, but we didn't got what we expected. My brother and sister, and we knew it was it. As far as I saw, in a very short time, they practically had the nation, uh, the main target taken out. Our defense was out quickly. They took them out quickly. And then basically what you have with people, maybe with weapons running into buildings, whatever, they care to defend themselves. And you cannot defend yourself against drones. I, I said it, the word in Ukraine, I said this, it was telling people to fight drones. You can't, human cannot fight drones, especially when drones are learning. Drones are being fly by AI, and these AI, every second of learning and learning and learning and become more skillful. And they're flying hundreds and thousands of miles per second or per minute. And so for you to get a good shot of them, it's almost impossible. People pointing on them, they cannot even hit them. And they're flying so high, you can't. And they'll target you out quickly. Within seconds, people's soldiers are being killed quickly by the drone. So I say that that's just, you can't fight them. Human cannot fight them. So when they came here, it was the same situation like in Ukraine. The country was taken out quickly. The defense was taken out quickly. Then you have people saying, you know what, this is our country. We're going to fight. We're not going to let them take it so easy. And, and, but then you find drones. They're going to target you, take you out quickly. If you're better off dropping your weapon and raising your hand, practically. My brother and sister. But when Jeremiah prophesied this to the people, to the king and to his people, that when the king of Babylon comes to give up, let them take you captive. The king and the people, because of their own prideful, their own pride, said to Jeremiah that Jeremiah was a traitor. That how can he say that when the king of Babylon comes, the best way to fight the king is just to give up and let, you, and let them take you captive back to Babylon. And when reality, America is coming into the same position right now, my brother and sister. I, I've been shown this from different angle, and I don't see a way for anyone here to win this. Because one God said, you're going to fall in the hand of your enemy. The Lord knows everything. We know very little. And the end of the day, what people have is their own pride. 
and our price a stumbling block to us, to ourselves. Being prideful is not good. Not like a lot of people say that being prideful is good. No, it's not. Because even if you think that giving up your life for your country is the right thing to do, if you fear the Lord, if you know there is a hell and a heaven, that's not the right thing to do. My brother and sister, God wants us to stand for him. My brother and sister, they know that he is the Lord. And whatever he had determined, it will come to pass. How did Jeremiah say that they were gonna they were gonna take and cast it to Babylon? Jerusalem was gonna be destroyed. And they were gonna be down there seventy years. And Daniel and them saw this come to pass. Seventy years they were captured in Babylon. America has a time also. Like the children of Israel in the time of King Zedekiah during the prophet of Jeremiah, that they were told 70 years. I don't remember hearing how long this nation will be taken captive, but the Lord has said that many of the people were taken captive to China and Russia and other nations. The time God determined it, my brothers and sisters, not going to be easy. The best way out of all this that the Lord has shown me is being righteous departure. And when the missile come this way, when the missiles are coming up, we are coming up. So the time are coming up, we're about to. Because the nation is about to go to war, my brother and sister. Even the Lord has said to his prophet that pointing a sign to the people that it will be Kamala Harris who will start the mess. She will become the leader, and she will start the mess to Sister Celestia. My brother and sister, I have not been told that, but that's what she says from the Lord. And I know she speaks from the Lord. I may not agree that a lot of the things she said is for the great tribulation, and the church would not be around. The church will not see a lot of the things she said that will come to pass because you got two churches. You got a church that's going to stay behind. During the seven-year great tribulation, way until the end of the seven years, and you got a church that will be pre-rapture, a church that will be taken home before the great tribulation. I believe I'm going to be pre-rapture because I don't want to stay behind, and that's what the Lord has shown me to me. Many of us will be pre-rapture, so we're not going to see what the other ones staying behind are going to see. Great tribulation, as Jesus said in Matthew 24. I can never be again. I can never was before, never be again. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So I say, I say, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient time, the things that are done, say my counsel shall stand, I will do all my pleasure. Psalm 119, 160, the word is true from the beginning. Every one of thy righteous judgment endure forever. So these judgments that God has declared, my brother and sister, David said, a confirmation to Isaiah, endure forever. This is how they're going to be. This is how they're going to remain, my brother and sister, because God has said they will be. This is his word, my brother and sister. Deuteronomy 11:12, the land which the Lord thy God careth for, 
or care for, the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even until the end of the year. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and study about this land that that uh, uh, Moses spoke to them about that the Lord watched throughout throughout the whole years. Okay, in which the children of Israel were being guided to, and this is why part of that is what happened in Gaza and in the West Bank. And we're gonna share a little bit of a biblical verses that points out. Why what is happening today is happening today. For the reason being that from the beginning, God showed us what the end will be because the Lamb was promised to Abraham, my brother and sister. And through Moses, God said that the Canaanite, which is the Lamb with the children of Israel today, the Canaanites will be removed out of that land, my brother and sister. They will be removed. There was one time when God tells them that the stranger will dwell there. That means people from other nations that are in Gaza today. Okay? But the time will come that when they will kill, when they will do harm, they will also be killed, says the Lord. Okay? And that's the time that had come in 2023. October, which was 2nd, October 7th. The time came when the, the people in Gaza came to where God said, if they kill, they will be killed. Okay? Whatever abuse, whatever they do, that would happen to them. They will be destroyed. And that's exactly what came upon them. My brother and sister, God has said it. God, God is never wrong. He's always right. My brother and sister. Amen. So his, his, his true his judgment will endure forever. Amen. So again, out of Jaffa, the son of Jaffa, Gomer, and Magog, which is Russia, Marai, Javan, Tuval, Meshach, Taras, the son of Jaffa, Gomer, and First Chronicles 1 5, Magog, Malay, Javan, Tuval, and Meshach, Ezekiel 38 2, the sons of, of men, set thy face against the, the land, against God, the land of, Magog, of Magog. The chief prince of Meshach, Tuval, prophesied against him, Ezekiel 39, 6. I will send a fire on Magog, and among them that dwell constantly in the island, they shall know that I am the Lord. So I'm following the sequence of the name of Magog, the son of Japheth, the, first, the youngest son of Noah. So you can see how through a different prophet, God said, that this is the way we got Ezekiel, okay, First Chronicle, my brother and sister, in Genesis, three, witness of three. God said this will be this way through these sons, through the son of Japheth. This is a nation that Japheth is the younger one. They wait. They are, they, they are last. But somehow they are established first. Because before U.S. was Russia, before U.S. was China, so they're all the one that has to wait for their turn. And their turn is coming in now, my brother and sister. The younger one is ruling over the older one. 
But now we see that the other one falls under it, okay, because something happens to Canaan. As I research what happened to Canaan, then I notice and say, oh, wow. My brother and sister, and let me finish Revelation 28. And she'll go out to the sea of nation, the four quarters of the earth, God and Magog. There we go. Gather them together for battle, the number of whom is at the center of the sea. Notice that God said they will have big, big army. And together, China and Russia and the rest of the nation that are joining them have big army in numbers. Okay? Just as God says. Always have to be as God says, my brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. Praise to God. His word endures forever. Hallelujah. He's always right. He never lies. So, when Noah gets drunk, my brother insisted, his son, hallelujah, see him naked. Hallelujah. Canaan, see him naked. Hallelujah. Says in Genesis 9:23, Shem just says, took garment, laid upon their shoulder, went backward, covered their nakedness of their father. Their face were turned away; they saw not their father nakedness. Okay, so we got Shem and Japheth, okay, who walked backward, so they will not see Noah naked, who was drunk. Okay, they Noah had walked from his wine. And knew that his younger had done unto him. And he said, Curse be Canaan. Curse be Canaan. But you see, Canaan, my brother and sister, hallelujah, should have not been cursed. Should have not been cursed. Because in the land of Canaan is what God was leading the children of Israel to. So how can God lead them to curse? See, that's the question. How it be, how it be that Noah curses Canaan? Hallelujah. And he says, servant a servant, shall he be unto his brethren, my brother and sister. And when, when you read God leading Abraham, he's leading him to dwell into the land of Canaan. And then the Lord says to Abraham, that that's the land he's going to give to his inheritance, to his seed. My brother and sister, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Yeshua. Let me, let me thank you, Lord. It's, there's no coincidence in the Bible, and the reason why these things are written were for our own learning, because God wanted us to learn. My brother insisted. And, and this is why from the beginning he told us about the end. My brother and sister. Because God wanted us to learn and follow. Hallelujah. First in Genesis um, 11.31, Terah took, took Abraham his son, and Lot the son of Haran, and his son, Sarai his daughter-in-law, and his son Abraham's wife. They went forth from then from earth other shall be, and to go to the land of Canaan. 
and they came to Haran and dwelt there, where they were heading to, the land of Canaan. Okay? The same son land that got cursed. God was leading him there. And this will help you understand what's happening in Israel today. Why is this curse of this nation coming against them? If you want to say this. I hope some other rabbi will listen to this teaching because this will help them understand what's happening in the land of Israel today. Why do they feel that this land is so cursed? Because they were cursed. Noah cursed Canaan. And this land of Canaan, the land of Israel today, is like a curse to the children of Israel because they cannot live in peace there. Someone is always coming against them, my brother and sister. And this is the way they feel. This is what's been happening with them. Okay, but I believe this teaching is going to help people understand what's happening. Why are they always being attacked? Why is their nation always coming against them? My brother and sister, this is the beginning of it. Genesis 12, 5, Abraham took Sarai, his wife, Law, and his brother's son, and all their sustenance that they had gathered, the soul whom they had gone in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Into the land of Canaan they came. Because that's where God was leading them to. Now, it's not that God wanted them to live under a curse, because, see, God can break the curse. The curse can be broken, my brother and sisters, and the land can be blessed. And whom the Lord blessed is blessed. We know that, my brother and sisters. Amen. But in order for that bless to, to that curse to be broken, you and I have to be obedient. See, if you're living in a life, difficult life right now, you that are listening. If there are things going wrong with you for years, with your husband, with your wife, with your family, if they are cursed there, someone needs to get right with God, repent, begin to fast and pray, and break the curse. Someone was telling me that the Lord spoke to that she should have been married. But at the same time, someone told her that she was cursed in her generation. And that's why she's not married, in example. But then you break the curse. Go into fasting and prayer. Break the curse. See, but you got you got to be you got to be walking right with God. You got to get right. When God when God calls us for us to for, for us to walk in obedience with Him. But if we're not walking in obedience, we allow the curse to reign over our lives and make our lives difficult and miserable for us ourselves. Because we are not being obedient. Can the curse cause us to be disobedient? Yes. Because it brings frustration into our lives, our mind, our thinking, our living. And a lot of people are wondering, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why why am I feel that I'm the only one going through this? And it's because a curse is very difficult to explain. But one thing I can tell you about a curse is that when a curse is in a family or in someone's life or in someone's land or in someone's house, it remains there until it's broken. And where therapy, counseling, okay, it doesn't go away. Those things don't happen. I remember when I came 
early uh, late nineties into the uh, I was a leader in one of the AA meetings on North. We were helping people with drugs, alcohol, and and the first leader that was helping these people to become free in the Lord, come to come to being free in the Lord. The way they did it was with fasting and prayer. The word fasting and prayer. They will pray over them. They will break a curse of drugs, whatever, alcohol, whatever it was. And a lot of these men came free, became pastor, became minister for the Lord. Okay, became better husband and all that, better father. The curse will be broken through fasting and prayer. When the disciple could not cast the demon out of that boy that when the demon would throw him into the fire, Jesus said that these will not go about through fasting and prayer. Okay, the boy had a demon that the father could not control his son, and the demon would throw, would even burn him. Difficult situation, like a curse. Because demon can behave like a curse, or demon can take advantage of curse. And Jesus told them that these will not go out but the fasting and prayer. That's the way the elder did it. So now they enter those counseling, therapy, section and so much other thing and the people got accustomed to therapy and so much so much more medicines treatments and all that had not really worked like it used to work through fasting and prayer because that's what's biblical that's what God, God said it will they will be set free because the Bible said that Jesus came he came to set the captive free Isaiah said this and whom the Son set free, John 8, 36, will be free indeed. You will know the truth. The truth will set you free. Only the Lord can set us free. And that's the way God has established it, it should be. But men have changed it with their teaching. And that has become a problem in the end of days, my brother and sister. But we got to teach the truth. we got to teach it. we just got to teach the truth the way it is, my brother and sister. Amen. So again, uh, Abraham was being led into the land of Canaan, which God will say will give to him and his descendants. Now, did God wanted to give them a curse? No. God knew what was happening in the land because of what Noah did, but it could have been broken, but it would take obedience. Someone seeking God in holiness and righteousness, obedience. And taking this before God, and God was set it free. Amen. So Genesis 12, 6, Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Shishen, unto the plain of Moreth, and the Canaanites were in the land. Now, you got a people of the Canaanite in the land. If the land is cursed, so will the people be cursed. And these people now being identified with the land, and believe me when I tell you, when God say he will remove it from before them, that means the children of Israel has to truly trust in the Lord, truly trust in the Lord, for the Canaanite people to be removed from the land. Because willingly, they were not going to give up their land. That would not happen. God said through Moses, I'm going to read it to you in Exodus 3, that he will remove the Canaanite, my brother and sister. God said he would. It has to be the Lord. 
It has to be the Lord. It cannot be any other way, and this is the problem over the years. People think that they can do it on their own. It's not possible. And when you try to do the impossible without the Lord, you need the Lord. You need to walk in holiness and righteousness. You need to walk in obedience, consecration. You have to commit your life to him. Okay? And if that doesn't happen, when you have to confront the Canaanite, which is part of the curse, it will be impossible to handle them. And then the curse remains through them. Because people, there are people that get used to the curse and live with it and even kill their brothers and sisters under the curse. And they still go on with their lives that way. Don't respect their father and mother and even kill them as they have to and go on with their life this way. This is the way they are under the curse. So then they think that is normal, but not under God's commandments to his own people. Because he says for us to love, honor our father and mother. And Lord, love, first love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Honor your father and mother. But these people that live under the curse, those are the three commandments they break every day. These are the three things they do. They violate their own people. They rape their own people. Because if you think that the Palestinians in Gaza before Israel attacked them or they attacked Israel, were living in peace, you were not keeping up with Gaza and the West Bank because they raped their own people. They killed their own. They sacrificed their own every time. People in, in Gaza were not living in peace. My brother and sister. Okay? And if you don't know, let's go back and research news. Okay? Under the curse, there's no peace under the curse. Simply no peace. Peace comes from the Lord, the Prince of Peace. Okay? Thank you, Lord. Genesis 13, 7. There was a tribe between the, the herdsmen of Abraham cattle and the herdsmen of Lot cattle, and the Canaanite and the first that dwelt in the land. What a coincidence that they come close to this land. Okay? In all of the sign, they're like near the border of the land. Do you ever thought that the la- the land and the people in the land are affecting the the shepherd of Abraham and the shepherd of Lot? Have you ever thought about this? I'm sure many of you have not thought about this, but it's in the Bible. It's in the Word of God. Look, there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham, the herdsmen of Lot, cattle. This strife in Canaan, in the land of Canaan. While the Canaanites live in the land, it's okay. It's normal. This is an everyday news. But now we're Abraham and Lot. But they come close to the land of Canaan. And they're being affected by the land, by the curse of the land, in other words. They're being affected here. My brother insisted. Huh? And the Canaan and the parasite dwell on the land. And you know what parasites are, right? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So, Damaging things. So they will be ineffective. The shepherd Abraham, the shepherd of law, once they come close to the land of Canaan, strife begins among them. But a few miles back, they were walking in peace and love with one another. They come close to the land of Canaanite, and they're fighting with one another. 
Notice how the curse of the Lamb is affecting them? My brother and sister? Hmm. So is it true that the Lamb is cursed and it affects anybody? It is true. Once you come into the land that is cursed, the curse is not broken, it will affect your life. And you can notice it here. They come close to the land of the Canaanite, and these men begin to argue without any cause. Before, it was all loving, loving. Now, it's all strife, argument. You see how the curse brings argument into your life? You become an argumental person without any reason, without any cause. You just cannot get along with anyone, so people say. My friend, and that's what was happening here. My Lord, my God, everything is in the word of God. Okay? Thank you, Lord. So Genesis uh, 13, 12, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. There goes Abraham entering into the land because that's where God is leading him. God is not leading Abraham to be affected by the land, but since the land is under a curse, and it has not been broken, as we read before. Abraham comes in there, and him and Lot now has to be divided. It's like husband and wife has to be divided. Mother and children has to be divided. But it's not supposed to be so, right? Marriage not supposed to be divided. Family are not supposed to be divided. But at a time, they come to the land of Canaan, and they're divided. Arguments, strikes are breaking out on these people. They cannot get along. So that's exactly the curse in the land of Canaan which is affecting them. My brother and sister. Hallelujah. So Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, Lot dwelt in the city of the plain, pitches tend to Sodom. Now, Lot goes to the valley. Abraham goes to the mountain. Now, the attitude of gratitude of Abraham to come to the mountain, come closer to God, is right. That's what we need to do. No matter what's going on around us, what curses come around us, we cannot let that stop us from seeking the Lord. And that's what a lot of people, oh, everybody's going to behave this way. I'm going to do the same. So, no, 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 you're wrong if you think that way. You're supposed to make a difference in the Lord. Jesus, when he came, he found all kinds of problems. He then became part of the problem. He was part of the solution. And was teaching the disciples to be part of the solution. My brother and sister. Amen. So then Lot is in the order of Canaan. But there was one problem with Sodom and Gomorrah. Homosexual and lesbian sin. What does that mean, my brother and sister? Well, Exodus 32 that we read Sunday, verse 25, Moses comes down with a commandment from the mountain after spending 40 days, 49 with God. Joshua's in the middle of the mountain waiting with him. As he comes down, Moses comes down with the tablet on his hand. When he look upon the people, what he sees? Everyone naked. Can you believe this? You got, you're leading six million people out of Egypt into the wilderness to bring them to the land of Canaan, okay? God wanted to make them strong in the wilderness before they came into the land of Canaan, which they will have to fight an enemy, which is going to cause them strife, 
For God was going to break the curse and bless the land and give it to them. My brother and sister. But Moses comes down with the tablet and standing there with the tablet in his hand. He's looking around and everyone is naked. Everyone is naked. They didn't even have underwear. Naked, completely naked. Explain that to me now. My brother and sister, explain that to me. I mean, I have read it and read it, my brother and sister, because I want to understand. But this is a behavior, this nakedness is a behavior of Sodom and Gomorrah, my brother and sister, of sin, disobedience, rebellion. To the point that when the person comes to being so rebellion, God talks about their name being removed from his books. My brother and sister, their name being removed from the book. If our name is removed from the book of life, we are in trouble. I, Lord, I'm sorry. Let my name remain there. I pray in Jesus' name. Let my name remain in the book of life. My brother and sister, they were all naked. Worshipping the cow they made, the Aaron made for them, dancing, having a party, naked, completely naked. But men and women, my brother and sister, okay, this is total rebellion. Because they knew this was not supposed to be so before the Lord. They should have been walking under the fear of the Lord. A brother came from Europe. He traveled around Europe to Italy, Germany, Spain. He lived in Spain. In Spain, I'm sorry. Most of 90% of the beach in Europe are naked beach. And he was telling even beach that was family beach years before has been turned into nakedness. Naked beach. They're naked. People are naked. He was surprised. He went to a beach with his family. And I think it was Italy, he said. All the time, people are taking out their clothes. They're naked. Legally naked out there. And he was shocked. It's, he's a Christian. He's a minister. What in the world? What's going on here? And he, you know, he wanted to go to the beach with his children so they could play on the sand and all that. But all these naked people running around, he was like, let's get out of here. Let's leave. Over 90% of the beach, my brother insisted, they were beach for family, now naked. That, that's an attitude, a rebellion. This is coming into the United States, too, now. This is being introduced into the United States. This will be made legal in the United States and around the world very soon. And when I say very, very soon, don't be surprised to hear this in the court this year, 2024. Naked, it's rebellion. As the children of Israel, Moses comes with the tablet. He finds his own naked. He gets so angry, he breaks the tablet. He breaks the tablet. That very moment, you're, you're, you're not worthy to receive this holy commandment, is what Moses is thinking. You're not worthy. But God still said, no, don't, you brought the commandment, go and write it in another tablet yourself, Moses. Because we, we God's servant, don't determine whom God saved or condemned. It's up to God. But then Moses had instruction for the Lord. Lord told Moses, call the Levites. That I assume the Levites were not naked. And have them with a sword from one gate to another. Have everyone kill their partner. And the Levi 
because the, the, the question that Moses put out was, he put it out there. He put it among six, six million people. Let me put the question out there. Anyone who stand with the Lord, stand by my sight, Moses says. He put out the question. Let them decide because we, we're no judge. You cannot assume these people are other people. No, you've got to put out the message up there and let them decide. Moses puts the, 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 the message out there. The Levi heard the message, and they come to Moses. I'm sure now, if they didn't have clothing, they, have, they must have put it on, because to approach Moses, who, who stand on a site, come stand by my side. I mean, he was standing apart from them. Okay? And the Levi comes, and Moses gives them the order. The instruction comes from the Lord, not from Moses. Moses is just delivering the instruction now. To take the sword from one gate to another, I mean, don't let anyone escape who is naked. So what I understand on this, if anyone who is naked is in rebellion, kill them, my brother and sister. Okay? Isn't that what the Jewish told the, the Palestinian, the Hamas, years ago? If you raise weapon against us, we have had no choice but to destroy Hamas, that you will be no more. The Hamas and the rebellion decided, well, we, we want to establish ourselves in your nation. Rebellion. We want to do our own thing. And look at now, they're being destroyed. Rebellion leads to destruction. America is turning rebellion against God and his commandment. America will be destroyed. Rebellion, biblically, always leads to destruction. My brother and sister. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, Genesis 15:21, the Amorian, the Canaanite, the Jesusite, and the Hovahite, what happened with them? They dwell on the land. My brother and sister. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Difficult, difficult for Abraham, for them now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, Genesis 24:3. I will make thee, this is God speaking to Abraham, I swear by the Lord God heaven, the God of the earth, that thou shalt not, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it is Abraham speaking, take a wife from the, my sons, uh, from the daughter of the Canaanite, among whom I dwell. Okay? So he's telling his servant to take a wife unto his son Isaac, here, because Abraham is old already, and want his son Isaac to be married, but he said, do not take one of the daughter of the Canaanite. Okay, because Abraham knew better. And when you know better, when you are being led by the Lord, you know better. God will lead you into making right decisions. So you'll be right standing with him. Righteous decision is the word. He will lead you to make righteous decisions. God was leading Abraham to make righteous decisions. Abraham, understanding righteousness, is leading his servant to make a righteous decision to pick a wife for his son. My brother and sister, thank you, Lord. So my master made me swear, saying, that I should not take a wife from, from my son, from the daughter of the Canaanite, who, who dwells in the land. That I, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. So he had to go down and find, hallelujah, the land, not a Canaan, a, a Taran, I believe it was, find a wife for Isaac. 
my brother insisted. So we know what happened there. That came Rebecca after that. But let me go to Exodus 3 now. Because here is when the Lord comes to Moses, okay? And he says to Moses, and, and um, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, Exodus 3, 17, and I say, I will bring you out of, out of affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hevite, the Jebusite, unto the land that flowed with milk and honey. Okay? The land of the Canaanite is the land that flowed with milk and honey. Okay? God wants to give them a plentiful land, but there was one problem. Noah, back in Genesis 9, had cursed Canaan. The curse had remained until the day, and what it takes for that is for you to walk with God in obedience, and then what is cursed can be blessed. You'd be surprised the promise God had made you and I, and we might dwell into a place that is cursed. Okay, but if you repent and seek the Lord and ask the Lord to bless where you are, God can bless it. The curse can be lifted, okay, and you will live on in the midst of blessing, my brother and sister. Curse is where there's lack of food, lack of finance, lack of love, lack of understanding, striving. Like the shepherd of Abraham and love, they strive right away when they got to Canaan. Strike right there. Boom. They hated one another when they just loved one another a few miles back. They come out of the land of Lurk, going to the land of Canaan. They got promised them everything is loving, loving, and peaceful. When they get to Canaan, they're arguing. They cannot get along anymore. See, God right there helping us understand that, yes, something that he may promise you where you may live can look cursed, be cursed. But if you stay in obedience with the Lord, it can be broken through fasting and prayer. My brother and sister, thank you, Lord. Then the Lord said, I have established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of the pilgrim, where they were stranger. Say, even in Canaan, they were strangers. What a coincidence. Okay, that you feel stranger among your own people, among your mother, your father. Okay. Because when the Lord calls you, he separates you and I from the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And then you're surrounded by curse, but you are blessed. You have to believe that you are blessed. It will claim and fast and pray for the blessing. Break any curse around you in your life. And your blessing will be there from the Lord. Because it was the Lord that chose you and I. Jesus said to the disciple, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. That's how we walk. That's how we live as a Christian. The Lord called us. The Lord chosen us. We need to break any curse around our lives, around our family. Pray for everything, even material stuff that you buy from China, especially. They're cursed. They've got spell on them. Break it in the name of the Lord under the blood of Jesus and pray for them. I do that all the time, my brothers and sisters, and that will keep peace in my house. When something is not broken, argument and strife will break. Then I'm looking, what, what, what have we bought that is here that is new? Because the argument and strife let me know that something is in my house that has been spelled, that has cursed in it. Because we were peaceful before that thing came into our house. And when that thing comes into our house, 
strike comes, this this argument comes. My children will fight with one another. That immediately to me is a sign there's something in my house that has spell on it that is cursed, that I need to break it in the name of the Lord, put it under the blood of Jesus, rebuke the demon, whatever it is, principality out of it, and you will not believe how the, the, the argument and strife leave with the demon and principality, and everything is peaceful back again. My brother and sister, practice this. Try and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endure forever. Do it, my brother and sister. Break any curse. Okay? Remember I shared the testimony of our sister up in New Hampshire. I was in Massachusetts. A brother told her about me. She was having this problem in her house. Things kept flying around, flowing around and dropping off, and she would put them back and find them again, and she was the only one living in the house that she bought her. Practically a new house. A house that was like a year or two made when she got it. She put a bed in it, got the house for over $200,000. Beautiful house. But it was $240,000 back then. It was practically a new house. And things were not right because the land was cursed, supposedly. And even when they were going to make all those new houses in the land, the city had meetings. They came together. They were arguing. No one was getting along. They finally, on the last resort, ended up passing it that, okay, they were allowed the housing, but it was all arguing less agreeing. The sister better than one of the house. She got one of the house for $240,000, and she was happy. She was celebrating that she had bought a new house. But here's the problem. She cannot leave in the house in peace. And I was teaching about curses that we need to break generation of curses and curses and things. And someone said to her, a brother said to her, you got to get brother over here. Because your house, there's got to be something cursing her house. And there was. When I went, got grabbed anointing oil, and I went, they invited me. We started praying. We started breaking what was there. She has been in the house for over a month, living in the house. Hannah had one night of good sleep in the house. After we broke what was in there, cast it out, and she finally had a, a full night of sleep in the house. My brother and sister. And she was like, how do you know this? The Lord teaches us. We learn from him. My brother and sister, we live from the Lord, and that is the, the 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 thing that everything is in His Word. He teaches us, then we apply it to ourselves, and we live by the Word. My brother and sister, we break these things, and and then we can live in peace. But as long as there's something cursed spell in our house, it could be a toy, it could be a pillow. A towel can be anything. A picture, you know, anything can be in your house that is cursed. A spell in it, got to break those things. Okay, it's usually through fasting and prayer also that you do it. Take anointing oil, you break it, and you will have a peaceful home. Some people used to do it on their own husband and wife. If they had a husband who would not listen to the wife or wife who would not listen, they would take anointing oil 
They're in fasting, and can I pray for you and rebuke the demon out of them? And they had a more peaceful marriage. You know, it can be applied in so many ways, but you be wise and ask the Lord to lead you. The Lord will lead you. Amen? But we're supposed to live in peace. That's what our call is, to walk in peace. My brother and sister, thank you, Lord. Praise your God. Okay? So, Exodus 15, the sons of Simeon, Samuel, and your men, Osha, your change so far, or so hard, and so it shall. The sons of the Canaanite women, these are the family assignment of Simeon. Man, Exodus 13, 5, and so be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Jebusite, which he swore unto thy father to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou should keep this service in this month. The Lord's getting it specific here. No, God, God is not that specific. Well, you better read your Bible back again. If you don't understand, ask God. Keep the service in this month. Yeah, God gave them feast, and in the feast service during the feast that they they had to perform. And a lot of people can keep the feast but not the service. But God says to keep the service in this month. Notice here that He's not saying the feast; He said the service. Because they are servant performed even during the feast, even before the feast. Because I was reading that also. But it was in Deuteronomy. So, there are feasts to be kept. There are service to be kept in the lowest. And God told them what service to keep, my brother and sister. People usually just focus on the feast, not on the service. Okay, Exodus 13, 11, and so... Be that when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanite, he swore unto thee and to thy father, he shall give unto thee. Notice that God keeps reminding them, okay? God keeps reminding them that he made this promise to Abraham, okay? Because when you get the understanding that God is the one making the promise, God is the one planning to have you live a peaceful life with abundance. And good health, okay? And good communication, good relation, good marriage, good family. That is his plan for you online. Under obedience. But you got to take the step. As you see them later on taking step of obedience. Because God warned them that if they will not keep the commandment, if they will not be obedient, these things will come upon them. Curses. Curses comes under the disobedience, my brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise you, Lord. Here's God's instruction. Let's start at 15, 15. Then the chief of Eden shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, okay, two powerful nations, Eden and Moab. Guess what? Guess what God is telling the children of Israel? about these two amazing nations that back then everyone feared because they have powerful army. Okay? Moab, Moab had a powerful army. Okay? Moab had a, Edom had a powerful city and army. But look what God says to them about these two nations. Okay? That they would encounter. The chief of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab to tremble shall take hold upon them 
Okay, sorry. Trembling shall take hold upon them, and all the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Three nations, because Canaan at this time is still under the Canaanites. Okay, it's being ruled, it's being inhabited by under the Canaanites. But God said that Moab, Edom, Moab, and the Canaanite nation will tremble before we fall them. Because the Lord was with them. So now all we have to do is stay in obedience with the Lord. Walk toward the promised land. Stay the course. Stay on the way that God is leading them. And as long as they stay in obedience, this nation will melt away. God will make sure, because it was God who told Moses that he will remove them from before them. That means God will fight for you. Haven't you heard that God fight for you? He will fight. There was time where Israel didn't even have to grab a sword because God defeated the enemy from before them and obedient. And obedient, my brother and sister. Okay? So God can fight our enemy and defeat them as long as we remain keeping his commandment and obedient. Okay? God can break the curse. All that under obedient. But now when we become disobedient and take the step of rebellion like the children of Israel, which is it's the worst step anyone can take, because rebellion is you going your way and not turning back. And the end is destruction. My Lord, my God. Thank you, Lord. Exodus 16.35, the children of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they came to the land of the Hebrides. And they amount until they came unto the border of the land of Canaan. Okay? Notice this. Okay? Now many people say that for 40 years they had manna. But here's the verse. Here's the verse to prove that they have bread of angels, because that's what manna is. They have bread of angels for 40 years, the Bible says. Okay? God is not a man that will lie, the son of man, he will repent. The children of Israel ate manna, bread of angels, for 40 years until they came unto the land and inhibited. They ate manna until they came unto the border of the land of Canaan. My brother and sister, until they come into the border of the land of Canaan, the manna ceases. Because in the land of Canaan, there was abundance of milk and honey, as God says. They didn't need a manna. They needed manna in the wilderness because there was nothing to eat. Absolutely nothing to eat in the wilderness. Okay? Water was even hard to find. It's still hard to find the wilderness water. God has to produce water out of the rock. The rock means Jesus Christ. The water that they ate, Jesus said if they eat his water, it would not be thirst anymore. Symbolize the water that Jesus gives. Okay? I believe now that if we focus on the supernatural, the water that they got from the rock symbol not only symbolized the water that Jesus gave, but it also was the water that Jesus gave. And some of you said, what, what was that, brother? Can you repeat that again? Why? Because supernaturally, God sustained them for 40 years in the wilderness. 
And you cannot be in the wilderness without everyday water. Water is important for life, very important for life, more than bread. Of course, bread is necessary, but water is more important. Everybody knows this, my brother and sister. So the water that they drank, there was twice or three times in the Bible that water came out of the rock. So what happened with the rest of the years? What happened? Because they were not carrying water for, for, for 40 years. They were carrying water for days. Okay? The water that God gave them sustained them for 40 years. That's what I meant to say. So to me, there was supernatural power of God there at work. How do I know that that made sense, Brother Elby? Well, the Bible said that the, the shoes and the clothing never age. That, to me, is supernatural power of God because today I have not seen clothes or shoes that will last me 40 years. And if you have, please let me know because I have not, I'm 51 years of, years of age, I have not seen shoes or clothing that will last me 40 years. Okay? Some people will tell you that's impossible. So to me right there, that's the supernatural power of God. Okay? That's a super, the water was the supernatural power of God. The bread was also supernatural power of God because the bread is the same bread that is cooked today in heaven for the angel, manna. That is the angelic bread. The, the, the bread came from heaven, I believe. The water came from heaven, I believe. Okay? And the clothing, my brother and sisters, it probably did not come from heaven, but God must have blessed their clothing somewhere. And the clothing remained for 40 years. That's all supernatural to me. That's, that's, that's not natural. Clothing aged in three or four years, even 10, they lose color, they stop breaking. They don't last 40 years. Okay? These people's clothing was like new in 40 years. Supernatural power of God. Water, supernatural power of God. Came out of the rock with Jesus Christ. Supernatural power of God. Bread, angelic bread came down from heaven. Supernatural power of God. You see, how is God planning to sustain you and I in the days to come? Easy, as he supported the children of Israel in the wilderness under his supernatural power. He always meant it to be this way because Adam and Eve in the garden, they didn't need it to eat. They were kept under the supernatural power of God. In heaven, as I got in business and seen several times, how do people live if people decide not to eat? They live fine. They never age. They never hungry. They never thirst. Why? Because they're being sustained under the supernatural power of God. Okay, that's how it is. God's supernatural power sustain everyone in the third heaven, third, uh, first planet, third heaven, second planet, third heaven, third planet, and eternity in the new earth and any other planet that God has made where the people live, a creature, a spirit, whatever it is. They're all being sustained under the supernatural power of Father. Okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they don't age, they don't thirst, and they don't hunger. The children of Israel for 40 years, okay, walk in the same manner. One must have been questioned God and Moses was that they complained. Because in Egypt, 
It was, it was a concern to eat every day. But they come into the wilderness, and they're looking at Moses and Aaron, and they're wondering, how are we going to eat until we get to the promised land? How? Okay? Were they necessarily hungry? The Bible doesn't say that they hunger. Okay, necessarily. Okay? Thank you, Lord. And I'm going to look it up quickly. My brother and sister, thank you, Jesus. It says here, Exodus 16, 3, the children of Israel said unto them, Will, will, will God, we have died by the land of the Lord in the land of Egypt, was saved by the flesh, but when we ate bread to be full, for ye have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. But see, we ate bread to the full. Supposedly in Egypt, they ate bread to be in full. What happened here, they were concerned to being hungry. My brothers and sisters, hallelujah. But God said that he sustained them for 40 years with manna. So they were concerned of being hungry when God was sustaining them with manna, with angelic bread. So what God is saying here, he, saying here to us, you and I, is, listen, they were not supposed to complain because I was feeding them manna. And if they were already eating, if they were already eating, what complaint of being hungry do they have? Brother Elvie, you need to give us more information to back up what you're saying tonight. Because what you're saying tonight, some people say, I never heard it before. You need to give us Bible proof of what you're saying, Brother Elvie. Because in some way, where is your Bible proof? Well, here it is. Jesus said that man will not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeded out of God's mouth. In other words, God was feeding them bread from heaven. God was already feeding them bread from heaven for 40 years, the Bible says. He was already feeding them before they complained. Are you listening? Is anyone listening tonight? God was already feeding them bread from heaven before they complained. Because in the very moment they step into the wilderness, God gave them bread from heaven. So he fed their stomach already with bread. But here's what Messiah says now, the Son of God, that man will not live by bread alone. That means that the bread that they were eating, God never meant for them to just think about bread or be about bread. It was to be about God's word, which is also bread. That it was not all about feeding their body and forgetting about the spirit or the spiritual life. That they needed to be in the word to feed their spirit. I thank you, Jesus. And this is the sin that the children of Israel were committing, that we are not careful we commit the same sin. Because you and I are not going hungry. You and I are not going hungry. You're listening to me today. You and I are not going hungry. But our walk in God is not about bread. Because man will not live by bread alone, but by every word 
that proceeds out of God's mouth. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Are you going hungry today? Because I believe if you're serving the Lord, God is sustaining you. And you are eating bread. There's bread in your house. There's bread in your table. There's got to be bread there. Because if you're serving God, God is sustaining you. But let me tell you this. Men will not live by bread alone. Your walk serving the Lord is not to be eating bread every day. You got to take time to fast. You got to take time to pray. You got to take time to dedicate your life to the Lord. It's not about bread. A lot of people have made the gospel that it's all about bread. It's not about bread. Okay? God said he gave them bread, bread for 40 years from the first day. They came out of Egypt with their stomach full. God began to feed them bread from heaven every single day. So what is your complaint? What is their complaint if God was feeding them already? Oh, Lord, my God. Oh, Lord, my God. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, my God, help us. Help us. Help us. Help us to serve you, O Lord. Hallelujah. Exodus 16:35. The children of Israel ate manna for 40 years. From the first day they stepped into the wilderness, God began to feed them bread. He began to feed them until the last day they got near the land of Canaan. For 40 years they were eating bread, but they thought their life was all about bread. But Messiah said, men will not live by bread alone. You need to understand the calling of God upon your life. Because people, some people are only happy when they eat. If they don't eat, they're miserable. All they do is think about food. That's, that's a nice idol worshiping. That is, that is a sin, a gluttony in your life. That God wants us to repent. Lord, I repent the sin of gluttony, Lord. Hallelujah. Men will not live by bread alone. All people do is think about food. And if they don't have it, they wouldn't kill anyone for it. Hallelujah. If you're serving the Lord, God is already feeding you. If you're serving the Lord, God is already feeding you. As he fed the children of Israel for 40 years. Tell me a day that they did not eat bread. Tell me a day that they did not eat bread in those 40 years. Okay, the children of Israel, Exodus 16:35, ate manna for 40 years until they came into the into the land of Hebron. They ate manna until they came into the border of the land of Canaan. This is in the Bible. Read your Bible. There was not a single day they didn't eat manna. They have plenty of manna and they have plenty of water. So what is your complaint? Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Because we, we can make food of God. We can idolater food. And that's a sin. That is a sin before our God. Where God supplies your need according to his riches and glory. And you still complain. You're still saying you don't have enough. You're still saying, I want more. When God is already providing your need. God is already providing your food. Huh? Oh, we need to learn to be thankful unto the Lord 
for what we have already, for what he provided already. Because Jesus said this, if we feed the birds of the air and close the grass of the field, how much more of ye of little faith? My brother and sister, how much more he will feed you and dress you of little faith? Remember I shared years ago that our problem is with faith in God, faith in the Lord, that instead of asking for God to provide us things, we should be asking God to increase our faith. As, as the disciple did in, in Luke 17, one of the shorter verses in the Bible, Lord, increase. The disciple said, Lord, the apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. After he showed them a miracle, they noticed they, have, they didn't have that faith to pray for a miracle. And the apostle prayed and said, Lord, increase our faith. That's the problem that people have. And this has been a problem for a long time. This has been a problem among believers, among churches, among everywhere. People, the problem is not lack of food or money. The problem is lack of faith. That's what the problem is. Because if you have faith at the side of the mustard seed, you will speak to the month and be thrown into the sea and it will obey. That means you will pray for your need and you will see the provision of God right away. God will make the miracle happen. But a lack of faith, it was keeping us locking every other thing. And that's the problem. Because we are called believers, and we don't believe. Oh, Lord, help us. Suppose that if we are believers, we should be seeking that our faith be increased. That God will increase our faith. We should be fasting. We should be praying and saying, Lord, I'm going to read your Bible. I'm going to seek you, Lord, faithfully. I'm not going to do any. I'm not going to watch so popular, Lord. I'm not going to watch... Uh, sport, I'm not going to do none of that. My first commitment to you in 2024, Lord, is that you will increase my faith, Lord. Please, Lord, I don't want to keep walking as a Christian without faith, Lord. I don't want to keep lying to myself as a believer. I want to walk by faith, Jesus. Increase my faith. And you'll find out that your, your lack begins with faith. Not material, faith in the Lord. And when the Lord increases your faith, you will have no doubt that God can provide to you, and he will. You will have no doubt that what God will supply to you, and he will. You just need faith. Faith is the problem. I share testimony of people that came to listen to me years ago that were Christian for 20, 30 years, never heard this message before. And said, but I'm going to try it, Brother Elby. This, this, this older sister pray, trying to bring her grandchildren to church, lead them to serve the Lord. And she heard me preaching about this. And I said, I said Brother Elby, I keep talking to them. I keep trying to lead them to church with me. They don't want to go. They end the world. And it's this or that. They don't want to listen to me. And she said that when I was talking about the lack of faith, it touched her deep in it. She realized she doesn't have it. And she began to fast and pray for the Lord to increase her faith. But she did it with a commitment that that's what she needed, without a doubt. 
You got to know without a doubt that's what you need. Because the result speaks for itself afterward. And that's what she started doing. She started fasting and praying. Every day, day and night, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, increase my faith. And reading all these testimony in the Bible, and especially in the New Testament, how Jesus healed them from all disease, how he set the captive free, how he lifted up the dead, raised the dead, and so much miracle going after him and the disciple who doubt, but later on the Lord increased their faith and miracle everywhere in the book of Acts. You read that in the Bible, how can that not encourage you? All kinds of miracles. Begin to read the book of Mark and look, so you see. To the left, to the right, all kinds of miracles, all day long. Until the nightfall came. The multitude still wanted to see him for more miracles. Next day he was again doing miracles. That was Jesus and his disciple later on. So how can that not trust you? That we need faith. As a sign of a mustard seed. My brother and sister. And she began there. And began... Over a month doing so, she felt something different in her. Because that, that's what happened. That happened to me. When the Lord increases your faith, you feel different. You feel something different in you. You feel that when you're going to pray, something is going to happen. They said that snow was heading this way. And Brother Ben says to me, Brother, it's snow is coming. And I said, I'm praying that it will go away. He said, I'm praying too, Brother Elvis. Oh. No, had not come yet this way. My brother and sister, I saw that, and I remember, oh, my face is still, you know, it's increasing. Thank you, Lord. You see, when, when, when I pray, when we pray, glory to the Lord, not to me and nobody else, we look for the evidence of the things we hope for. That's what faith is. The evidence of the things you hope for. The evidence of the things you don't see. And immediately we're looking to see, oh, snow coming. The news, the news was saying, snow is coming, heading this way. It's going to hit Asheville. We were praying, boom, nothing. Nothing so far. My brother and sister, had a nice and clear day. Okay, we pray. We ask, we believe. Thank you, Lord. My brother and sister. But then our mother-in-law told us it's like 12 inches up north, 9 inches up in Pennsylvania. Two inches up in Massachusetts. Actually, what he said, about two feet now. My brother insisted, when I live up there, I remember praying, rebuking snow. In the area where we live, snow did not drop the last month I was up north in Massachusetts. As we pray. Thank you, Lord. God honor our faith. My brother insisted. Now, it's up to other people to believe. Uh, people send me a message. Brother Elvie, pray for us about this or that. Not like, but you're there. Rebuke the weather. Pray. Believe. Ask the Lord to increase your faith. Thank you, Lord. See, when you find yourself like Moses between the Red Sea and no place to go, if you had asked the Lord to increase your faith, you know that you will take that rod and touch the water and the water will open. This is where your big test comes. When you're in front of bad weather or whatever's coming your way, and you begin in the name of the Lord to rebuke it and call things to your favor, they will come to pass when the Lord has increased your faith. Thank you, Lord. And what happened? Thank you, Jesus. 
My brother and sister, all we need to do is pray. Ask by faith. So, the Lord Jesus is the greatest example in the Bible. Because he began his ministry, no matter what the elder and the priest says, it didn't matter to him. He was healing everyone that came sick across him, setting all the captives free, healing all the sick, leprosy, nothing stopped the Lord from doing God's work. What is stopping you and mine? Our lack of faith. We've got to be sincere before God. Because one day you will stand before his throne and you will see the face of Father. And you will see the face of Jesus. And you will see the face of the Holy Spirit looking at you straight to your eyes. And when he asks you the question, my child, why did you doubt? Why didn't you believe my word? Why didn't you believe my son? Wasn't he an example to you? What are you going to say? Our lack of faith, my brothers and sisters, is making us do poor ministry and poor witnessing on this earth. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. We need to ask the Lord to increase our faith. My brothers and sisters, thank you, Lord. Last month I was questioning my faith, because you got to question your faith. Cannot be okay when nothing happened. It's okay when they happen, then you say, okay. But it's not okay when they don't happen. And if have some people that were sick had asked me to pray, and I wasn't getting feedback. In the beginning of the month, they began to ask me. And I said, okay, I'll pray. And we will pray, pray. The end of the month, I started getting good report, even of people being healed. My brothers and sisters being sick and everything being okay. My brothers and sisters, after God did it, after we pray. And that's the way we walk in the Lord. My brothers and sisters, it's like the sister that was asking me for months, she was in a wheelchair. And almost every day, I will finish the Lord's Hour program. At the end of the chat room, she's talking to me. Or she's emailing me, beloved, I'm still sick. I'm still in a wheelchair. Will you please pray for me? And then there was weeks and months that she's telling me, Brother Ovi, I'm still in pain. I'm in hurting. I don't feel my leg. I cannot move. Please, Lord. Please, Brother, pray for me. Are you praying for me, Brother Ovi? And I began to tell her about faith. She began to hear me about faith. But it came the day when the Lord, when we had the healing service and the Lord came and healed her. And she walked away from that wheelchair. And since that time, she's still been walking, normal, healed, 100% healed by Jesus. But I was so concerned that she was still in a weird chair listening to the Lord Tower that I, I kept questioning my own faith. But that question in my faith was that I needed to ask for my faith to be increased. And I kept asking the Lord, increase my faith, the Lord. Increase my faith, the Lord. So people like her, when we pray, will be healed. And the day she got healed, I think I was more joyful than her because I saw faith coming to pass. She probably did not understand why I was so joyful when she was the one that received the healing. And because when you see your faith come to pass, it rejoices you. Jesus rejoiced before the multitude. And 
when they asked him for the bread and fish, what do you have, bread and fish? And he, what did he do? He thanked Father. I thank you, Father. See, he was thanking God. And God did it. God did it, my brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. And that's what it's all about. If, if God increases your faith, you're going to rejoice for what God is going to do when you pray, when you ask God. Okay? Sometimes we want things to happen right away the next day. Sometimes it does. Sometimes we have pray, and the next day we get a good report. Or the same day we get a good report. Some other time we still got to wait longer. And I have learned that some people that don't get a, an immediate miracle, an immediate healing, it's because God is working on their life to increase their faith. But some people want it easy. No, you pray for the Obi, and, and God do it through you. Sometimes God wants to do it with you and I together. Okay? We have seen since we started the Lord Tower in 2012, thousands of miracles. Not hundreds, thousands of miracles through, through this program around the United States and the world. People can testify of them. All glory to the Lord, not to me anybody else. Okay? But our faith can still be increased more. Okay? It can, the Lord can increase my faith more, your faith more, and then we're more useful in the ministry and the work of God. My brother and sister, thank you, Lord. So I'm still seeing miracles of the Lord, almost every week still seeing them. And if I don't see it, then I'm questioning my faith. I'm not questioning God. See, this is what the enemy wants you and I to do. If we do something that God say pray and fast and nothing happens, what do people do? They question God. That's wrong. That's wrong. There's nothing wrong with God. So what you and I. When you learn to turn your question to God about yourself, then you're going to learn and mature in the Lord. And you're going to say, wait a minute. God is perfect. God is faithful. God can do all things. What's wrong with me? What's going on here? What am I doing wrong? And it's not blaming to condemn yourself. That's not what I'm saying. It is learning that there's something missing or there's something you're not doing. Okay? And then you look to doing what God is asking you to do, and you also, we also need to learn from the experience. Sometimes in the process of failing, we learn not to, do, to make the, the same mistake next time, to improve, to do better. My brother, my sister, this walk is of learning in the Lord and of cleansing and perfection God is working in us. To present a glorified church, the Bible says, without spot or wrinkle. That's, that's what God is leading you and I to, to being like Christ. But to get there, every day we're learning. Every day is a new experience in the Lord. As we are praying, as we're believing, as we're seeking, we're finding. As we're asking, we're receiving. The Lord, this week, I had a lot of questions this week in prayer. Friday morning, the Lord wanted to speak to me in a way that sometimes he does to help me understand things, because sometimes I question things. Then I repent to the Lord the way I question things. But in, in sincerely, I was questioning things 
my brother and sister, and then I ended up repenting for it. And it is that, yes, the Lord is showing us all the things that are coming. We don't know the day and, the day and hour. But after I finished my prayer Saturday morning, overnight prayer, when I went to bed to sleep, the Lord took me out of my body quickly. I was in heaven. And I'm in, I'm in my pastor, my former pastor is in heaven. And I'm with him in his house, in his mansion in heaven. Um, I was there for the first time. I began to look around his mansion. It was pretty big. And, and to me, it was like, wow, this is a pretty good area. Not where I saw him before in heaven. This was a different part of heaven mansion that I saw him. And his mansion was quite large, my brother and sister. And I knew it had like a second level and even third. And it had, the, it had maybe three living rooms. Very large mansion to me, it looks like, from everything else. And I'm, the Lord brings me right in the middle of his, in, in, the, in the first floor, and he's there. And, we're talk, and, and, and I'm talking with him. And he began to tell me things that I was questioning that he wanted to explain unto me. Oh, God, God wanted him to explain unto me, to help me understand them. And he began to explain things to me up in heaven. As I'm looking out the door, this is what the Lord is showing me. The Lord is showing me the judgment that are coming, which I believe is this year, 2024, into the United States and the world. I saw war coming. I saw Russia coming in China. I was looking out the window as he was speaking with me. And I can see this nation rising, like from Russia this way, from China this way. Um, I, can, I saw a tsunami. I saw what we call the Eastern Tsunami coming. I was looking at all these things from heaven, my brother and sister, like looking out his window and seeing like a large screen where everything that is coming, which I, for some reason I kept thinking about 2024, and I say it's for 2024 because that's how I felt it. I'm not sure I'm accurate on the time because, again, God will always say no man knows the day and time. In regard to the rapture, and we know a lot of events happen when God says so because he's in control. I believe that one time the Lord said, they will happen when I say so, the Lord says to me. Okay? So try to put a year, a month, or a day for something. Um, may not be accurate for the reason is that the Lord say, they will happen when I say so. So it's in the Lord's hand. He will make them come to pass when, we, when he says so. My brother and sister, so let the will of God be done. But I began to see how the year was going by and things will be unfolding. I saw a tsunami coming. And my former pastor in heaven was explaining to me these things, these events, how, how God had planned them and how they are supposed to come in his timing. Okay? And that I will not necessarily understand, like, the timing when they will come. But that was not what meant it for me to know. That it's all God's plan, 
and that necessarily we will not understand when they will come, but yet they will practically upon us. They were upon us, not practically. They were upon us, is the word. And that's the part that had me thinking, had me meditating on what, I, what he was saying to me. Because in a moment, everything was making sense. But when he said they were upon us, then I'm thinking within time, what time. But then he had also said that we're not supposed to know the time because it is in God's hand. My brother and sister. So again, I'm listening to what he's saying. I'm watching the things that are coming before us. But he also said that we have come to our end. I have come to my end. You have come to your end. And when he say yours, like yo, have come to your end. Okay? And he said you should be glad about it. And that's the part that I'm like, I'm in heaven. My former pastor's in his glorified body. He's young. and his 20, when he died, he was up there. Well, he was not so old. He was about 59, 58. He was still young. And in heaven, he's no more than 20, 25. He's young. He has a lot of wisdom in the Lord. He's explaining to me these prophecy and these words, these things that the Lord has shown me. And for some reason, I thought it was not fair the way I was seeing them because you don't know when you just got away upon them. But then he said that we were not supposed to know when. But they, we, they were upon us. Okay? And he says that we're supposed to rejoice because our time had come. And when he said that, I rejoiced because the time that had come was to come home. The time we're in had come to come home. That's the time that had come for us. And that coming home is the rash of the pastor, the hard apostle, as he was explaining it to me. And that's what I was like, okay. He says that we see in all these things about to happen, that instead of being concerned and worried for the things that are about to happen, we should be rejoicing because those are signs that meant for us that we're going home, that we have, it was like we're taking an attitude to what is coming, that instead of rejoicing, we're concerned, we're worried, we're questioning whether it's true or not. And so in another way, we're questioning God's will, we're questioning God's plan. And the, the other question is, the Bible says so. So we believe the Bible is the word of God. It's a truth. So then why do we question that if it's going to be so? When the Bible gives a sign of his coming. And the signs of his coming are here, have come to pass. The gospel has been preached to the end of the world. Then Jesus said the end will come. So this is the end. Where the end is upon us. And we should be rejoicing because we are about to enter home. We're in that process of coming home. And nothing can stop us from coming home. This is our time to rejoice about coming home. But our attitude has not been that way. We're more lamenting, like Jeremiah, 
lamentation than rejoicing. And the question is, is that true, yes or not? It is true. Because all you hear from people is how horrible things are and how horrible things are going to become instead of saying how joyful it is for us that we're going home. You see? We're not supposed to be lamenting. We're supposed to be rejoicing. Okay? When Jesus introduced the kingdom of heaven, what did he say? Rejoice, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Rejoice. We're supposed to we're supposed to be celebrating. Hallelujah. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be rejoicing. But that's a, that's a less of an attitude that we're taking in the last days. My brothers and sisters, and that's what I was being told. My brothers and sisters, thank you, Lord. In heaven, and the Lord surprised me with a trip. Because I'm up there, and I'm looking down, and I'm like, I'm in heaven. I'm in my pastor, former pastor mansion. I'm looking down, and I'm seeing all these events right from heaven coming to pass. And he's explaining to me, hallelujah. Luke 147, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Supposed to be rejoicing. Hallelujah. Jesus said, now stating that, re- that in this rejoicing not that the Spirit suggests to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. That is the, our name written in the book of Lamb. And because our name is written there, we should be rejoicing because we're coming home. And that's not what we're doing, my brother and sister. You see, we're taking an opposite attitude, hallelujah, praise the Lord, to what is happening. And Luke 10, 21, this is what Jesus did. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise, and prudent, and have revealed it to the, unto babes, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. But what did Jesus did? He rejoiced. And what do we do? What, what, what is it that we don't do? Rejoice. That's an attitude to what is happening, to what is coming. We should be rejoicing that we're about to go to heaven, to our home. And that's what he was explaining to me. And I'm listening to what he's saying. He's right in front of me. But I'm also looking to the side, to the window of his mansion, because I'm seeing the things that are coming to this time here we're in. Things that will be unfolding quickly. And I saw them unfolding from heaven. Great tsunami, great war, great judgment. All these things coming to pass, one, one after another. And it's like, wow, unto the heavening of the earth. Exactly. But to you, he said, you should be glad, rejoicing, that you're coming home. But that's not the attitude that we're taking of gratitude. My brother and sister, hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. So many stories, even with the lost, lost sheep. Jesus says to rejoice. People rejoice for what he did. Hallelujah. So many verses in the New Testament of Jesus rejoicing. Hallelujah. Uh, John 3.29, he that uh, the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom standing in hearing him rejoicing greatly because the, bri- the bridegroom voice, this is my joy, therefore is fulfilled. Notice the attitude of gratitude that Jesus had to what was happening, to what was coming. He rejoiced. Why are we rejoicing? Why are we so sad? Lamenting. Why there's so much lamentation in our life? Like the people going into Babylon. And I know people say everything, brother, only calls us worry and concern. Well, we need to repent for that. And we need to ask the Lord that we want to rejoice. Why is everything a worry for us, a concern, a lamentation, when we should be rejoicing? And he was explaining this to me from heaven and showing me that the bride, we are about to come in home and celebrate, celebrate. We're supposed to be rejoicing to come in to celebrate. And when he said that, immediately came to me, the wedding celebration. We're going into a wedding celebration. What are we going there? With a sad face? I can't rejoice. People I know it's a suffering, you know. Oh, I got family down there. They're not saved. I can't rejoice. Rejoice. God already heard your prayer about your family. God's going to save your family. He heard your prayer for them. He's going to save them. He's going to rescue them because you pray for them. Pray, continue to pray until the last second of the trumpet sound. Because the Bible says the trumpet shall sound. That's a commandment. That's an order of God for the trumpet to be sound. Shall sound is an order of commandment. The trumpet shall sound. And the dead in Christ shall be risen first. Now, I understand that some of us need to stay for the revival. And, you know, more of this mystery will be revealed in the days to come. My brother and sister, I believe some are going home and right away and some are staying for the revival. Okay? I, the Lord still needs to explain some, some of that to me more. I can't explain it in detail because he did show me there will be three days of darkness. Um, I believe... We'll see if it before the three days of darkness, some are going home. I, I just don't know in the details how things will be unfolding. I hope in the Lord he would explain me more what will be happening if the children will be taken home right away because some of us need to uh, work on the few days revival. The revival, the way it was shown to me, was less than a month. We're staying for that less than a month revival. From there, the Lord show me, then we go home. Okay? So some will we take in quickly, disappear. But some of us that need to stay for the revival, less than a month's revival, we'll stay. We'll, we'll move in the power of God throughout the earth and do this work for God that he has chosen us, elected us for that. What Father says he's going to use us with his mighty power. Use, use me with his mighty power. Glory to him. 
So all that is what's coming, my brother and sister. Now, I don't know how many of you heard Sister Celeste. Three weeks ago, she was teaching about Obama coming back into office. Three weeks ago. The last week of December. If some of you have not heard it, I, I, didn't, I didn't play it on the Lord's Tower. I want to play it a few times, tonight and a few other times, because what she shared here has been shown to me over the year here on the Lord's Tower that I share. And I believe it's important because she'll give you details on how the Lord show her things are going to come to pass. Amen. Uh, God willing, I'll be back on Sunday. Hoping the Lord, he'll give us more explanation of what is to come, what is will be unfolding. Sunday, we're still here. We know everything is so close. Three days of darkness are close. Uh, revival is close. Great tribulation, we know it's also close. But that's the last thing after the revival, after the church, after we are gone. So, my brother and sister, this last reign, last movement of God, is the, is the things that we're looking forward to unfold. And then we go home into the wedding celebration. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hello again, and welcome to the Master's Voice. I'm Celestial, and you are welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. If you are a new subscriber, there are multiple ways for you to get the best out of this blog. You can subscribe, and that way you will always get updates. However, there's no compulsion to do so. You can also look on the channel dashboard, and that's where you're going to find the playlists. The playlists are where prophecies have been organized into specific themes, such as repentance, such as what is sin, the, the, the sin series. There's um, the America series. There's one of the most important series here at the Master's Voice that is called the Russia and China series. And for the entire time that I have been here delivering the prophetic messages of the Lord, Russia and China prophecies have always been given throughout the duration of the time I've been running the blog. So um, those are extremely important prophecies. The first set of prophecies are started with when I, when I started doing the video ministry. They're not the first prophecies that I received ever. They're just the first prophecies that God instructed me to start putting into video. And looking back, there was certainly divine wisdom in that because... Those prophecies speak to a time when America is going to have to capitulate, which means to kneel down in subservience and defeat to her enemies, Russia and China. And so those prophecies were put up years ago, and now many of the themes in them, many of the, the prophetic truths in them are now easily available on news articles, media websites, and social media and so these things are unfolding in front of us in real life now. Uh, just It's just been four or five short years since the prophecies were written down. Uh, so Russia and China prophecies are very important. You have the Repentance series and the Sin series. Truly, if you watch the Sin series and the Repentance series, you will learn the true heart of God. You will learn the nature of why the Heavenly Father is so averse to sin. Why God does not want the church to be near sin or defending sin or clothed in sin or battling sin or hiding sin. Not that the Father expects us to be perfect, but God expects a certain heart posture of his people. And the Father's estimation is that here in the United States, that heart posture to love what is righteous and hate what is evil is utterly missing. 
And that is the basis and the foundation for all the judgments that the Lord has rendered against America. These judgments are not judgments that are going to go away. I've been saying that from the beginning. These are permanent prophecies that God has given. These are permanent judgments that God has given. The only wiggle room, if I can call it that, is when people hear the judgments of the Lord, will they repent? Will they come out of the personal swamp that they are living in, the personal compromise, the personal ideology of, well, I think I have a little time, and I don't think God is as harsh as she's portraying, how unwise it is to listen to God's direct prophetic words from himself and think that because I am human speaking on his behalf, I'm here giving you a little bit of my opinion mixed with a little bit of Bible study, mixed with a little bit of popular culture, mixed with a little bit of lies. I'm giving you God's direct conversation. And the pity is that for the most part, this nation has been raised on complete lies, churchianity, fluff, and a lot of grace theology, which is that grace is something that we can bend, 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 but as long as we don't break it, then we're still coloring inside the lines. God has made his judgment concerning America, and now he he is saying um, many things that will not be unfamiliar to people who have been coming here a long time. So today's prophecy, uh, the picture I found for it, the minute I saw it, I knew that it was just right on the money. To those who are listening, it's a picture of an expensive ballpoint pen, exactly the kind of pen that you see presidents using when they're sworn into office that day that they take the oath of office, and then they usually lead them off to that fancy room, and they have the table in front of them with lots and lots of laws that have already been worked on, and now the president is about to sign them into law. And so they always have a whole slew of pens they'll sign and give it away, commemorative items to people. Well, it's a pen, but it's inside an emergency glass case. And the words on the glass case are, in case of emergency, break glass. So you can imagine a pen is usually just free. You can use it. But this particular pen, the executive order pen, the pen of dictatorship, the pen that you will see one day in the hand of Kamala Harris and the hand, ultimately, of Barack Obama. This one is behind emergency glass that has to be smashed. So to get this pen, there has to be certain things broken before the pen can be loosed. Today's prophecy is four years old. It is from February 2020, so nearly exactly four years old. And the title is Emergency Powers. Before I continue, I was saying that new people can use playlists. New people, you can also go and listen to the audio podcasts. Um, I know that here there's a sense of community somewhat, and that directive that the Lord had given a few months ago that the comment section should be closed because people were focusing too much on ancillary matters. People were getting scattered. People were getting very vested in their right to speak, and they were losing sight of the prophecy. This is what the Lord says. He says that they are turning into white noise. They spend more time talking than they do actually listening to the prophecy. So close the comment section. And he said to only close it for a certain period of time, and that period of time ended up being longer simply because that was a period of peace for me. But now the comment section are open. 
is open, but I would still recommend to new viewers that if you listen to the audio, you will find that you can move through the playlists very fast. And the reason I recommend that is very simple. What you don't know, you don't know. And in this type of landscape where God is telling us exactly what is going to come, exactly how it's going to be like, and exactly how much we will hate it, you're at a distinct disadvantage. The less you listen to and the less you know, the more your legs will have to paddle frantically in the lake of awakening when things start happening. So if you can get a leg up, so to speak, and listen to more prophecies, you play them while you're driving, play them while you're exercising, play them while you're on your walk, walking your dog, everyday activities that you do anyway. If you're listening to these prophecies, they will change you. And the reason they will change you is not because I'm here to make a compelling case. They will change you because the living Holy Spirit is inside his own messages. He's also on the blog. The spirit of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. It is Jesus Christ bringing these messages to his people. He's not going to appear in the flame of fire in our rooms. He appoints people, he trains them, and he sets them out. So with that being said, you're welcome. The title of today's prophecy is Emergency Powers, February 9, 2020. And the Lord was bringing it back by simply stirring these two words upon my heart recently. This prophecy had completely fallen off the radar for me. But... Before I go into this prophecy, the Lord has given some words. I always pray. I always fellowship with the Lord before I come to make the prophecies. And so the Lord has given some words that are a prophecy in themselves. Today is December 19, 2023. And these are the words that the Lord gave me. The Lord was saying, before I even wrote it down, that Barack Obama is coming back to power. That Barack Obama is going to be a single-player president. He may not be called president. He may have a brand new title that will be invented for the time that he will be leading. But he is going to be coming back to power and he is going to be a single ruler, meaning that he's not going to really rely on um, the system of checks and balances that we have now, he's not going to rely on the lawmakers. If the lawmakers are kept in that future time when Obama is president, it will be purely as a dummy alternative, meaning that they will be stripped of all power, they will be stripped of all meaningfulness, they will be as useful as whoever advises King, Kim Jong-un. They'll just be there, perhaps drawing a salary, perhaps not. They will be decorative they will not have any power. All the power in the future America is going to be vested in the executive. I've shared before that the power Barack Obama will have will be power to say a thing. So he may be speaking and he may suddenly have a bright idea in the middle of a speech. And he will simply say something like, in fact, from today, I'm going to see to it that such and such a thing is hereby implemented in all the provinces of the new American Federation. Remember that America is no longer going to be a republic that is a democracy. It is going to be a federation, exactly how Russia is the Russian Federation. That is the style and the system of government. So God says that Barack Obama is coming to power. And when I heard this thing, 
I just said, okay, Lord. Barack Obama will come back to power. He will be a continuous ruler, meaning that he will rule through a series of deputies until he finally shows up as himself. So when the Lord was saying this conversationally before I actually took a pen and started putting it down, the Lord was saying, you should tell them that Obama will come back to power. You should tell them that Obama will come back to power. And I was thinking, Lord, is he coming back to power now? Because if Obama's coming back to power now, then you will hearken back to one of the old prophecies that I first put on the blog, I think, in 2019, where the Lord remarked to me conversationally, and this was in 2015. So the blog was created in 2019, and that is when I began to upload posts. But every post here has a date that I received it. I do not give dates of fulfillment because I am not a candy pop-tart false date setter person. God doesn't give me dates. God, the day that he talks to me about something, the day that he says, take your pen and write, thus says the Lord, then that, that's the date. And there's a title for that prophecy. As to when the prophecy unfolds, many people you've seen that you've only been here for four years and now everything I was telling you when I first started, it's on TV now and there is more to come. The aliens are on TV. The new little gun laws and having to register in New York City and they're trying to take your guns away in other places. It's now on TV, but it was politely said in 2019. So the Lord mentioned about Obama and he simply used to say to me in 2015 thereabouts, when you see Obama, it will be the start of the most terrible times that you have ever lived through my daughter. And I, I said, when I hear those things, it used to put so much pressure and so much stress on my heart because God would be telling me that we are going to be living in a nightmare. We're going to be living in a dictatorship. And it will be very hard for people who are overly patriotic, people who have very strong sense of self that is married to the United States because Barack Obama's one job that he is going to do excellently is that he is going to absolutely destroy everything that America means. Can you imagine growing up wherever it is that you're growing up and every time that flag is raised, you just feel something in you. And then one day you go outside and you will see the flag of the new federation of the Americas. That is, it will be a flag that will carry a little bit of Mexico and the South American nations because they'll be part of the new American federation, carry a little bit of Canada also melded in there, and then the United States. So no longer the red, white, and blue. There might be elements of the red, white, and blue in that flag, but even the U.S. flag will be changed. You will not listen to the familiar anthem. Everything that inspires America in the mind will be taken away. And to those who still don't understand why, to those who just think, no, it's the beast, he has to have his own branding, no. It's all part of psychological warfare. It is to destroy you that finds your selfhood through these things. And God will allow it. And the reason that God will allow it is because God is looking for his true remnant who aren't joined to anything and anyone and who says heaven is my home and to my Lord I am waiting to go. He's looking for who will actually dissociate, separate, and come out of Babylon. God doesn't care anything for the edifice that is here. The edifice is corrupted. It's like a rotten apple with the worms just doing slippery slide all through the apple. This is a place that they're stealing children. This is a place where they're eating human body parts. This is a place where, as you hear, they're going to start openly murdering political 
opponents in the future? Why do you think that God is married to the concept and the idea of the United States? God is married to the concept and the idea and the reality of Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what God is all about. So whoever wants to be a part of that situation, God is looking for those people. That's what the scripture means when it says, once more I will shake heaven and earth and everything that can be shaken, will be shaken. So all the self, the ideas of selfhood, what patriotism means, what the flag stands for, what the anthem inspires, what it is to see the military going off to war, all of that is going to crumble and become a crushed, oppressed nonentity under the cloven hooves of a megalomaniac. And God is going to stand by and see who spends time crying and who becomes a drunk because America has been destroyed and who's just standing there and saying, even so, Lord Jesus, come. This is not my home anyway. There's going to be sharp differentiations. And so that's what he would always say, that America is going to become busted up. It would become a whole different situation that I would not recognize. This is what he was telling me as far back as 2015. You will not recognize this country. You will not be able to even make sense of it. And here we are now, eight years in, and God is saying that Barack Obama is going to be a continuous ruler, which means that once he, it means two things. Once he takes power, he's just going to continue. And it was granted to him power to continue, I think it says, for, was it 42 months? Something like that. Yes, he was granted power to continue. So he's going to be a continuous ruler. This means unbroken control. But continuous ruler, when the Lord said he was coming back, I was taken aback this evening, December the 19th, 2023. And I said, Lord, is he coming back right now? And what the Lord simply said was, whoever you see sitting in the chair in 2024, that's Barack Obama. Now this should produce consternation and concern in the hearts of certain people and of course it will and that's because simple math tells you that Barack Obama is representative of only one party Barack Obama doesn't represent two parties I know that the Lord says that the two-party system in America is a farce and it is a farce I've been saying that since 2021 that it is a farce even the idea of the news media outlets being two separate oh no it's the conservative versus the liberals no they're just playing guided opposition to split people in their mind and their ideologies. And the reason for that is because these people have a civil war lined up and they're not going to stop egging you on because they need you to Annie get your gun and get out there and shoot one another because you simply can't agree and you simply can't see that you are American first and that these false ideology and the differences don't really matter as much as they say they do. So that's why they play left-wing, right-wing, because they need the nation to become left-wing, right-wing enough until people get out there and fulfill the prophecies. Civil war is coming. That's the name of one prophecy from August 2020. That has to happen, a civil war of minimum three years. So even if we are here and we are listening to the word of the Lord, the greater majority are not listening, and they are following that fire that is being stoked. So the idea of a two-party system does not really exist. However, even in the farce and the play acting, Obama only comes from one side. So I guess the Lord is giving a very clear understanding to those who know how to listen. 
He says, whoever you see sitting there, that is Obama, continuing to rule. People will go missing in Obama's era. Pure elimination of the competition. The prophecy for that was given to me on October 14, 2022. That's the first prophecy that comes to mind. Two of them, actually. The first one is called Ready Player One. And the second one is called Changes Ahead, You Will See Shaking. And in the Changes Ahead prophecy, that was part of a live prophecy prayer call. And the Lord was speaking about um, that Donald Trump would be taken out of the way, that Donald Trump would lose his life. And there are about six prophecies to that effect. That President Donald Trump will suffer an assassination, not attempt, but a successful assassination. God says that they will put that man to death. And the other prophecy that is called Ready Player One was talking about how the beast system and the rising of the beast who goes with it, the beast of Revelation 13 that God has revealed here multiple times, calling Barack Obama the beast of Revelation Revelation 13, the same beast that you can find in Daniel chapter 7 that will trample the residue with his feet, the same beast that you can find being talked about in Daniel chapter 12, where it says that the power of the holy people will be broken. And the power of the holy people will be broken by the same beast that we find in Revelation 13. That is going to be granted power to wage war against the saints and to prevail. I've covered all these things in previous prophecies, so I will not go into them. God says that in the era of Obama, there will be pure elimination of the competition. So the competition falls in two sections. Excuse me, please. The first section is the people that have been part of Obama's rise to the top. All the people who knew him from his suddenly appeared senator from Chicago days, all those people, that entire paper trail, those people are going to be absolutely eliminated. And now coming now into the current time, the modern era, that whole cache of people We're talking the Clintons, we're talking whoever else. Bill and Hillary Clinton are the only names that the Lord specifically pointed out. Also Kamala Harris. These people will all be eliminated. So they may celebrate with him at the time he takes his seat, or they may go to their respective gravestones before he takes his seat. Whatever the case may be, Barack Obama The beast of Revelation 13 is a single player only, and he's not going to tolerate groupthink. This is not going to be a group dictatorship. This is not going to be a, we're all friends together here. Let's give feedback on how we should run this new North Korea. It's not going to happen like that. He's going to be alone, and he will eliminate the competition. Everybody who was with him on his rise up, everybody who knows his true backstory, anybody who has gotten too close to have any understanding of how he functions, how he thinks, things he has done, both things in the public eye and things at the back, all that is competition. I spoke in 2022 in one of these prophecies. I'm going to list them in the description box. I wrote them all out here with the years and the dates. But I spoke in 2022 and said that, and said that this is the modern era. The danger of the modern era is that someone will know your secrets, and then depending on 
how the person feels about how you're treating them as you're on your way up to the top. So this is a dangerous era because the Lord was saying that this is an era of cell phones. People get disgruntled when they're holding your dirty laundry and then you're starting to act more and more on camera like you don't have dirty laundry. Then they go live and then they say, well, I was there when the shirt of the laundry got dirty and I was there when the pants of the laundry got dirty and I know where all the dirty socks are. And so they can do a one-hour live in no time. That audience will grow from 2,000 to 5,000. And if it's a big name, before you know it, you've got 200,000 people on a live stream listening to salacious details about a president or about a senator or about a pastor, a bishop. And secrets get leaked, and the beast is not going to tolerate that. So that's one side of how competition will be eliminated. The other side, the other competition that will be eliminated is us. We are the competition that will not work in the beast system. Us, um, the Christians, us, those who may not necessarily be Christian, there are plenty of atheist people out there or people who just don't have any particular belief. There are plenty of people who consider themselves spiritual, but they don't necessarily follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But these people have strong ideals. They have strong ideas about what liberty is and what freedom is and what they're entitled to as Americans. And so that kind of thinking, freedom thinking, this is my stuff thinking. I do not want to be part of a socialist, communist, Marxist government thinking goes against the carefully controlled, goose-stepping, Group think that the new world order will be where, where conforming is best. And so that type of person is going to be hunted out. And what God was saying tonight is tell them that it will be exactly like what Paul Pot did. Tell them that it will be exactly like what Paul Pot did. Paul Pot was a madman who ruled Cambodia for way too long. He activated and weaponized the military of the country against his own people. But how it started was a desire first to eliminate the competition, and then it spread to when he had eliminated some competition, then you start thinking, well, what if the ones that I've left are not my friend? What if they're envious? What if they're jealous? And so it started off exactly as I've explained by eliminating the so-called elites, around him, people who were at his level, people who helped him to become whatever it is that he became, a sort of supreme leader. In his mind, he fancied himself much higher than just a mere president. The man saw himself as a national emblem, as a national symbol in of himself, in and of himself. He saw himself almost like the flag of the country. Massive, massive ego and the brain hanging on by two threads and began to put first enemies to death then the families of enemies, then widened it and widened it until the people in the nation themselves became his enemies. He saw enemies everywhere, behind every bush and tree. And he basically massacred his own people, several million of them, in only a five-year period. It was one of the greatest massacres in modern history. And this is what the Lord is saying will happen here. Mass murder Obama will put millions to death arbitrarily for no reason, for made-up reasons. 
Illegal will become legal by means of the iron pen. The iron decree is coming to make America a new landscape, a land of iron laws. So there are too many prophecies to recap, but just some highlights and some points um, of things that are going to come in the future that the Lord has revealed is that, for instance, physical money will, will go away. And I've explained that with the loss of physical cash instantly, that is self-independence and that is freedom going away. Independence and freedom going away because once you can't handle the cash, once the cash is translated to an online portal only, you have no control. You are now looking at zeros on a dashboard that someone else is controlling. You don't control that money except in a very light manner, meaning that you can go to an ATM for now and press some buttons and then some physical cash will be granted. And then you'll get a slip and the slip will tell you your zeros have gone down by this much. But once they board up the ATMs, as I prophesied last year, once they board up these ATMs and they seal them off and the era of paper money comes to an end, then we are in the era that I've been prophesying about all of this year. Money in the cloud money that exists on the other side of a dashboard that you are not on the other side of the dashboard. And they can put the money up or down. They can even say in the new world order, in the, in the future that is coming, they can simply say that there's too much scamming going on, there's too much fraud, there's too much backdoor earning without proper tax reporting, and therefore people may not have multiple bank accounts. You may not be able to go to multiple institutions. They may say to limit fraud and to limit too much growth because it's not good for individuals to be too rich. The era of entrepreneurs is coming to an end. Tech bros, your time is nearly up. We are going into the era of the corporation. The corporation will be God. The corporation will be king. The corporations, I have prophesied here, will become so massive that they will have standing armies. You're looking at me. I'm looking at you. The corporations will have not mercenaries because mercenaries can be sought, sought out from various countries, and they're usually a small-knit group of guys. They're not going to be guerrilla fighters either. They are going to be orderly, well-paid, uniformed killers. Amazon's going to have an army. Apple is going to have an army. Microsoft is going to have an army. Several other industries. Different big companies. Just think of the big, big names. They don't come to mind now, but I can promise you that in the prophecy that is called Pogroms in America, Amazon Apple, they had soldiers, armed soldiers with the government's knowledge, and they were assisting the government in hunting down people to kill people. The prophecies that you can look at for that are pogroms in America. Another one is called tracking and technology in America. Another one is called tanks in America because they were all part of a series that I simply called the In America series, showing how they were going to, they will have strategic and well-planned pogroms. And that is what Pol Pot did. Pol Pot planned and organized and carried out 
deliberate mass eliminations of the population using the Khmer Rouge, the military branch of his own country. And so, for no reason and for made-up reasons, the Lord says that Obama will do exactly the kind of mass murder that took place in Cambodia in the past, and illegal will become legal by means of the iron pen. This is a situation that I said, and God brought it up tonight. This situation of the iron pen is not going to start with Barack Obama. Right now, Joe Biden is trying it, but it's not working. The person that you're going to see do this with a flourish is Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris will write so many executive orders that truly she will have to soak her hand in ice water and have a little silk lotus mask on the hand to rest it before the next day of executive orders. That woman will tear up constitutional rights and protections and powers. I said that the executive orders... They will be written in such a way that they will supersede the Constitution. I said that the new set of laws that are coming in are going to be up here, and the laws that you know that derive their strength and their power from the Constitution are either going to be annulled by the existence of the brand new law. For instance, if there was a law in America that says that everyone had to go to bed at midnight, nobody could be awake beyond midnight and then a new law comes in and says that the old law shall not cease to exist except in states that have legislated bedtime at 9 30. what that what that is basically saying is the old law is not being done away with no one is saying get rid of the midnight bedtime we're simply saying this law will not cease to exist unless a state legislates a new bedtime at 9.30. And then all the states will be compelled by the federation, the federalist government, to legislate a 9.30 bedtime, which means that they will never take the midnight off the books. But as you travel from state to state, you will see big billboards everywhere saying, Bedtime is 9.30, which means that this law below here and this law above, midnight is now below 9.30, and midnight has become useless. And the Lord says that after the useless old law sits there for a time, they will simply get up and they will have a vote, and they will say all in favor of getting rid of the midnight bedtime because people love sleeping at 9.30, and that is how they will finally repeal it. They will first neuter it, those of you who have pets, you know what neutering is. They will neuter the old law. They will leave it there useless for a season, and then they will finally repeal it and get rid of it. And so the iron pen is coming in, and all illegal things will become legal, not by putting it through proper process, but simply by saying, this is now this, and that is now unnecessary. The Iron Decree is coming to make America a new landscape, a land of iron laws. And then I'm going to read this scripture for you as I was putting these notes together. The scripture came to me from the Lord, and I'm going to read it and then carry on into the second part that he mentioned. Today is December 19, 2023, and here is the scripture from Daniel chapter 7 and verse 5. 
It says, and suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, arise, devour much flesh. So this sentence, arise, devour much flesh. This doesn't end with a period. It ends with an exclamation mark. In reading, writing English, this is what is called an imperative. So Daniel 7 is looking at different visions that Daniel was having. He said that he was on his bed and he was seeing stirrings of the four winds of heaven. And he saw four great beasts come up out of the sea. And he was describing the beasts. But the one that God pointed out to me, all of a sudden, as I was putting together the notes of what he said tonight, was the bear. And this bear, this beast, the Lord has revealed, is the nation of Russia. Now it says that the, band was, the bear was standing up unevenly, standing up and had three ribs in the mouth clenched between the teeth. And a command came. And the command said, rise up and consume much flesh. The Lord had said tonight that Russia is going to take center stage at this time. That this is Russia's time. This is Russia's era. This is Russia's time to shine. This is Russia's time to exert control. This is Russia's time to come to the forefront, because that is what center stage is. Says that this is a time of key alliances for her. Her old enemies will be back. I cannot tell you who and um, Russia's traditional enemies are, besides the United States that has always styled Russia as the villain. Um, I cannot tell you off the top of my head uh, who Russia's traditional enemies are. But the Lord says that as Russia is rising, I guess Russia being a nation almost represented like a person, for these nations are usually called she-she, it's usual that when you're rising, your haters will try for a season to rise with you. That happened to Moses. He was rising and his haters tried to rise with him until God separated them and showed whose miracles were genuine and whose miracles were fake because they were coming from demons and familiar spirits. In the same way, when Russia is rising, God says that old enmities, old problems, old conflicts will also arise. But he says that some of the old enemies will become friends and Russia will make many surprising new friends. Historic new partnerships will be made and the bear of Daniel will be granted her pound of flesh. And the first thing that came to my mind was this thing that um, has, had been in the works, in the shadows, for many, many years. First came to my attention in 2015, the BRICS alliance, Brazil and Russia and India and China and South, South Africa. The BRICS alliance came to my mind because of how rapidly they were building because China was making a lot of facilities including floating the ideas for a bank all the way back in 2015. So this is when it first came to my knowledge. But at that time, it was such a tiny little thing on the radar. And I've shared here many times that the Wall Street Journal used to mock it um, all the time. But now this thing has grown. Now they had their summit in South Africa this year in August. And even though there was some disruption saying that uh, President Putin should not uh, attend and everything like that, it was very well attended. It was very well attended. And guess who wasn't there? That's right. The United States was not there. So at present, 
BRICS is fielding, to my understanding, BRICS is fielding interest from up to 40 countries. And even if only three countries were interested, guess who's in the group of 40? That's right, the people with the oil, the people who keep the lights on and who keep the cars on the road, the Arabs, Saudi, and the rest of them are very interested in partnering there. And the reason they want to partner there is because the bully isn't there. The person who has hijacked the United Nations is not there. The person who has hijacked NATO is not there. That can be, so they believe, a fresh space for multilateral trade, equity, finance, partnering, travel, hospitality. They're planning to do it all. And the hijacker is not invited. The hijacker and her Western allies are not being asked to attend, contribute, or even send in a memo of suggestions. So I was speaking about this in 2021, about the shifting order that was coming. I was speaking about this in 2019. The prophecy is called ascendancy, where I said, as Russia goes up, America will go down. 2020, God was saying this, that the elevator is going to start to shift And so the bear is going to rise up, and she has a command from the Lord to get her pound of flesh. Prophecies concerning Barack Obama that you may want to look into. Here they are in no particular order, even though let me try and be neat. There's a prophecy from July 16. 2019, and it's called In Quick Succession, America in Turmoil. And the reason that this prophecy is mentioned here is because of one last thing that the Lord said concerning Barack Obama and Donald Trump. So this prophecy I've mentioned, In Quick Succession, America in Turmoil, um, there was a vision that I had. That prophecy was about something that I learned from the Lord in that time in July 2019 called the Deep State, the Deep State. And what the Lord revealed, many people call it a conspiracy, but then that is simply because as far as knowledge extends, that is what people call truth. So what they can see or beyond what they can see, what they know or what their best friend or their grandmother or a politician that they trust confirmed for them, all those things fall under the auspices of truth. Anything outside of that is too far-fetched. Anything outside of that is outright lies. But that's usually because People are threatened by information that they don't know. Yes, I'm well aware of it. I'm well aware of why people get angry when they come here. They are threatened by the fact that I'm sitting here and they don't, they, I don't have a PowerPoint presentation to show them of the things that I'm speaking of. So they must insist that it's a lie. Why? It preserves their worldview. It keeps them comfortable. It makes them feel safe. It makes them feel safe. And they don't have to feel threatened that what they know and what they trust has outer boundaries. But the deep state is not a conspiracy. The deep state is not a theory. The deep state actually is the existence of people that you never voted for. It's the existence of people who you truly think that you know who it is, But I have a prophecy that is called the leaders of Babylon where God says that if you guessed a million years, you will not know who it is. This means that for all the belief that it must be the Rockefellers, for instance, God says that people would reel 
if they knew who it actually was. And to my mind, this only speaks to the things that are not human behind those people. Because that's the only thing that will make us real when we think that the hand of manipulation behind the government that we believe we choose is not even a hand, but a two- or three-fingered reptile claw. In that prophecy, God was talking about the deep state, and God was talking about how the deep state manipulates the outcomes that America gets so that America will never be stable. America will always be traumatized because you can't expect stability when you're trying to operate in one particular system and you're calling it government. And yet there is a pseudo-government. There is a hidden government. There are unseen hands that always tamper with things so that the results you think you will get, you don't get. It causes unrest. It causes frustration. It causes mistrust. It causes a separation between the leaders and the people dissonance, there's no agreement, and then there's embattlement, and then there's bitterness, and these things rise to crescendo, and then we end up in an election cycle, and then the deep state makes the choices. So the vision that I saw briefly, because Barack Obama is definitely featuring in this prophecy and the one that I will do, I will separate these two prophecies because this one has become long enough on its own, the things that God has said today. And what I saw is that I saw that there was a speech going on. This prophecy is from 2019, so President Trump was still in power. I thought there was a speech going on, and President Trump was due to speak. And um, he was standing in the wings, and he was waiting to be introduced. So he was standing in the wings. They were making preliminary announcements and things like that, and then he was going to come out. But deeper in the wings behind him, President Trump did not know that there was a person standing behind him. Deeper in the wings behind him was a man standing so close to him that he could almost smell his hair. The man was standing so close to him that the tips of his black shoes were brushing the back of President Trump's shoes. But President Trump was absolutely unaware of the presence of this man. And that man was Barack Obama. And the impression that God was putting on me when President Trump walked out of the wings. The impression that God was putting on me was at a time unknown and at a time unexpected, this man waiting in the wings with that massive grin that he's always wearing, a grin of a person who I know something you don't know, he's waiting in the wings so that at the right time, with the right opportunity, and I use the word opportunity loosely, that opportunity will be absolutely manufactured. There will be nothing organic about it. They will say, what an opportunity. No, it will be 100% an outcome that certain people have been working towards for decades, for more years than most of us who use and watch this channel have been alive. This one world system is a lifelong dream the culmination of biblical prophecy. Many people, because they don't know God and they don't respect God, they hear of the NW final circular letter and they just think, this is a striving of men. This is a striving of governments, of power. People, please, please, you don't have the time that you have to be thinking at the level that you are thinking at. The fallen will take this nation, whether who likes it or not. 
Satan knows the Bible better than your average pastor, better than your average false prophet on the Internet. And Satan knows that it was granted to him to continue for 42 months. And by golly, by gosh, he is going to get those 42 months over all the dead bodies if he has to. It is prophesied. America, you are taking unwilling parts in a play, a starring role that you thought you never asked to, but you sinned your way into this. This is a power play that is greater than man. The beast system is rising. The book of Revelation is fulfilling itself. And how tragic that all the extras who are starring in that book are spending their time on social media debunking everything that they don't understand. There will be people who listen to this prophecy and say that I got it because Netflix has movies. But I've been sitting here since, I've been hearing about Obama since before he passed the gay marriage law. I've been hearing about him. God has been telling me that this man is a murderer. And I've said it here on camera, right? None of you are here in the house protecting me. I know who's protecting me. I don't come to this blog and say a certain man will do a certain thing and when it happens we will all know who it is. That's not the type of prophecy that's here. There's names. There's deeds. That's the spirit of the Lord. I know in whom my soul is trusting. So before Netflix was a thing and was shocking everyone, and everyone, Sister Celestial, have you? Yeah, well, I, it's written down. And it was written down for your edification and for your warning. Why? So that you would not have the reactions that you're having now and yet. God says that Donald Trump will die embattled. One sentence. Celestial, he will die embattled. To be embattled, if I can give you a picture, it is when you go outside to work in your yard, and you see what looks like a small wasp's nest. It, it looks small, and you think about it, and you don't think you need to go back in and get a helmet and put on long sleeves. You think that perhaps if you give it one good whack with the rake, you can hit it far enough so that it might even go to the edge of the pool or something, but it will not be as big as you think it is. And you hit that thing and you find that it's 10 times the size that it looked. And those wasps all come out and they look at you in your red t-shirt and they surround you and they begin to sting you from head to foot. Exactly like America's golden boy, ex-president Donald Trump is being stung from head to foot. Every five seconds, breaking news this. The judge says he is a liar. The judge says this and that. Embattled means set upon on all sides. It's being chased down the streets by every dog in the neighborhood because all the neighbors forgot to shut their yards and you're walking by and then suddenly there's 12 dogs after you, 15 dogs, and you're running by yourself and not a single owner is coming and going, here boy, here boy, more dogs join in. God says that this is how this man is going to lose his life. Go down in infamy. These are not new prophecies. 
So, the prophecies concerning Barack Obama are these. In quick succession, America in turmoil, July 16, 2019. The Iron Spider, November 8, 2019. And I will mention a little bit, a uh, vision from this prophecy, November, I think it's November 8, 2019. But in this prophecy, I saw, I saw Barack Obama. He was riding on the waves of the sea. He was riding on the waves of the sea, and he was coming in fast towards land. Excuse me, please. He was coming in fast towards land. He was so eager to make landfall, and he was part of the sea. So the sea was very stirred up. The sea was very angry. The sea was heaving. The sea was very chaotic. And the bottom part was water. But then the waves rose into a very, very, one particularly very high wave. You know, I think they call it a white cap. It rose very high, but the thing about the water is it was so dirty. It was so filthy. It looked as if several loads of heavy laundry had been run in that same water. And at the very top, his legs were forming out of the seawater, and then he was in a suit. And the wave was curving in towards land, and there was Barack Obama at the very top, leaning in with so much interest, with this lust, with this hunger to make landfall. And what the Lord said is that Obama will come in on almost a wave of popular opinion. And once again, I will caution those who are listening there's a tendency of people to try and process prophecy through their own filters. So whatever you think, unfortunately, the little blunt knife and fork that certain people have available, that's what they try to cut this tough beef that God has given me for prophecy. Because this is not for the faint of heart. These prophecies will change you or they will defeat you. There are no other outcomes. You will either change or you will be defeated by them, by the spirit of fear and hopelessness and depression. The choice is yours. Because there's no fainting here in the end times. The Bible tells us that men's hearts will fail, but what it doesn't tell you is that you have a choice to decide whether you're going to be one of that scripture or not. Whether it's you in Luke 21 that it's talking about or not. So people will listen to the Lord saying that he will return on a wave of popular opinion. And then they will say, but he's not popular. We hate them. No, you hate him. So you assume that the entire world is your little heart that can't comprehend that God is speaking of a time where people's brains will be cooked like noodles, like ramen that's been on the stove too long. God is speaking of a time where people will make the most nonsensical choices. And why will they make it? Because spiritual power will be leaking into the world. Every portal on earth and in heaven will be open. You might not even remember your name in the future. So you're thinking with your 2023 brain, your 2023 understanding, your 2023 little box of feelings. I don't see him coming back. Nobody likes him. People will love him. They will love him. They will cry over him the way misguided little girls used to cry over Michael, Michael Jackson. And worse will they do when they see him on sight. The demons and the witchcraft that man will be moving with. He will pass by and a woman will say, Harry, I'm leaving you. And go join his harem. People will go missing in his era. I have seen them go missing. It is in my notes. I have never said it. 
I will say it on camera now. The Lord showed me. This is from the times that God was showing me that Christians will go and work in the White House. And those who are called to go and work in the White House, the Lord says that you are being selected. You will be selected and you will be brought forth. Obama will include for a time period Christians in his government. He will. And the